Hello. My name is Ross Sutherland. Uh, at the time of recording this podcast, uh, I am five foot ten inches in height. I am. Uh, I'm thirty four years old. It's one day before my thirty fifth birthday. Uh, I am male, currently male, and I am currently sitting in the bottom of a wardrobe in a house that I rent in a beautiful part of the British Isles known as Peterborough. Uh, When people ask me what I do for a living, I tell them that uh, I'm a writer, Um, although no, no one actually employs me to do that as a job, at least not on a full-time basis. Uh, nevertheless, like I try to fill my days writing a mixture of poetry and stories and essays. And then in the evening, I go out and I read my work to small rooms full of people. And that's pretty much my life. Uh, I don't make a lot of money, but I have low overheads. If you go into HSBC, they have an espresso machine that you can use for free. Uh, just say that you're, just say that you're waiting for a friend who's in the middle of having their boat remortgaged, and they'll leave you alone. Everyone, in fact, everyone on the planet will leave you alone if you just give them a good enough reason. I mean, you can get on with the important stuff, and for me, that's talking to yourself in the bottom of a wardrobe. Okay, well, it's primarily writing, and. The whole wardrobe thing is kind of secondary. Uh, it's just my voice sounds better in here. That's just through trial and error. I've, I've, I've discovered this, that if you want to do like a recording of something, uh, I don't have good enough recording equipment to just like sit at my, my dining table and record it. But in here, it's quite good. It's, you know, it kind of muffles the sound a bit. I used to do all my recordings uh, under the duvet. But uh, everything that I said just sounded like 80% more depressing when you're kind of delivering it uh, from from a horizontal position. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so... uh, But this wardrobe is good. It's okay. I'm not depressed by this wardrobe. I know it feels a little bit... You know, I'm about to turn 35. From the outside, it might look a little bit like I'm in the middle having some sort of nervous breakdown but I'm actually I'm not depressed by this wardrobe at all I feel empowered by it you know like I don't know much about uh, numerology but the number 35 it feels like a powerful number and when those numbers come around you've got two choices either you you try to fight against that power or you, you try and find a way to use it to turn it to your advantage so that's why I'm sitting in the wardrobe I'm taking control of my destiny I've got all these things that I've written over the last few years. And no one is ever going to hear them again if I don't find a way to put them out there. So that's why I said to myself, Ross, you have to set up one of those audio subscription services that they have now. Uh, You can put a, a, a new episode out about once or twice a month. They can be quite short, just like 10 to 20 minutes each. Uh, You can upload some old recordings of stuff you've done before, but you can also use the space as a sketchbook for trying out new ideas. And you can sort of try and work to the format yourself. You can do this, Ross. And yes, real life will 
probably get the better of you in the end. Uh, you'll be distracted by a new video game or a new job or that massive coronary that's clearly waiting for you down the road. But come on, everything ends, Ross, right? There's no reason not to start. I mean, just look at, just look at all these coats, all these old winter coats that keep getting in your face as you try to record this. Ross, Ross, I'm still, I'm still addressing you in the third person right now, Ross. Ross, when you bought this coat, when you took it to the till, you genuinely believed that this was the last coat that you'd ever need. I mean, would you wear it now? No, it's, uh, it's like a trench coat with a hood. It's, it's stupid, it's ridiculous. So why don't you throw it away then? Because, because there was some point in your life when a trench coat with a hood made sense to you. And that's kind of like this podcast. That, that, that's why you're doing it. Uh, it's just a record of your misplaced enthusiasm. It's a record of your very best mistakes. It's a trench coat with a hood. And maybe it's going to haunt you forever because deep down, Ross, that's what you think you deserve. But it still should be recorded somewhere for posterity. Because that's important somehow. <coughs> oh. oh dear, I think it's really dusty in here. Um, okay, so uh, that's that's kind of like the end of my, my introduction. This, in this first episode, I'm just going to tell a story about the worst job that I was ever uh, offered. This was a story that I originally told at uh, a night in London, which I helped run called Homework. But I've re-recorded it here, especially for uh, the podcast. Uh, look, I hope you like it. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Imaginary advice. It's early evening in Cambridge. It's summer 2008. I've just arrived back home into Cambridge train station, finally home after being away for about two weeks. I don't know if you're familiar with Cambridge train station, but um, as it turns out it's a lot nicer than other regional train stations. Most of the people passing through Cambridge station are young and tanned and designer clothing. They look a bit like they've just stepped off the set of some sort of new BBC drama about sexy junior psychologists. On this day, I stand out from this crowd even more than usual. I'm wearing the same clothes that I've been wearing for at least a week. I'm holding an unfurled sleeping bag in my hand. On my back is a split rucksack that's leaving a trail of dirty tissues and uh, hula hoop packets behind me. I'm pale as a sheet. My hair is kind of thick and greasy. Kind of looks a little bit like the hair of um, Alan Davies from uh, season three of Jonathan Creek. All in all, I'm feeling a little bit self-conscious. just got back from Edinburgh where I'd spent the last two weeks visiting friends 
who've been doing shows at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Now, I was in awe of the recent career developments of my friends who are now actually doing things. Now, since we were teenagers, we talked about becoming comedians or authors or actors, and now it was finally happening to them. But I was so happy for them. I gone to Edinburgh to, to, to visit them and uh, to try and live vicariously through their successes. The day I turned up in Edinburgh, I discovered that the spare room I was meant to be taking had already been promised to someone else. So in the end, I spent my entire two-week holiday staying with a different person every night. Uh, sometimes I knew the person I was staying with quite often. I didn't, often I didn't know where I'd be sleeping until three or four in the morning, just having to drag all my broken shit across town every night, looking for a new couch to sleep on. Soon I got sick, ran out of money. Long story short, I found myself crying at the back of an Ed Burns show. My lowest point, not his fault, I should say. Anyway, after two weeks of hell, I finally arrived back at Cambridge Station. I can't afford a taxi, so I start the hour-long walk back to my house. On my way home, I, uh, I decided to take a shortcut through this little walled garden, and there's this man who's sitting on a bench in the middle of his garden and as soon as he sees me he gets up and he starts to walk towards me uh, until he kind of meets me in the middle of the path. Now this guy, he's in his 40s, suit, open shirt, bit of a beard, he says to me, excuse me, and I stop and he says, do you want a job? And I pause and I think, because I don't know if you've guessed, but wasn't exactly financially solvent at the time. Uh, my career was having a bit of a dry spell. Basically, I've been broke ever since moving to Cambridge about six months earlier. Before that, I've been living back with my parents for about two years. And all of these problems were down to the fact that I was still holding on to this notion that I would somehow make my living purely through writing and performing poetry. Don't tell me. I know. If I'm honest, I wasn't even writing any poetry at that point. I was just dining out on stuff that I'd written six, seven years ago. Basically, telling people that I was a poet had now become just a kind of flamboyant way of telling people that I was unemployed. So yes, like it had been a hard year, but I'd always believed that eventually, if I kept true to this notion of being an artist, that eventually I would be rewarded for my determination. And just for a second, in this park, in my feverish, sleepless state, I thought maybe, just maybe, this is it. Now, 
there's a homeless shelter just around the corner from this park. And there's usually some homeless people that hang out in this walled garden. But this man, right, he looks healthy enough. I mean, you could say that he has the immaculate deep tan that one traditionally associates with people that spend 24 hours of their life outdoors. But equally, it could be the tan of a man that spends large periods of time on holiday in the Bahamas. So although I'm not sure exactly what business transaction I've got myself into. I'm pretty sure I'm definitely not about to do business with a tramp. That's definitely not what's happening here. I mean, if anything, he looks a little bit like Alan Sugar. Anyway, so he's, 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 he's met me in the middle of the park and he's, he's saying to me, excuse me, would you like a job? Now, of course, here today in, 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 in the present, like we can see the situation for what it really is, I think. The rose-tinted spectacles are off. We all know that if a man approaches you in the middle of a secluded park at seven o'clock at night and asks you if you want a job, he's asking, He's asking if you would like him to suck your penis. He says job, he means blow. But back in the park at the time, in my state, so sort of tired and emotional, I don't really see it like that. I'm having this, this flash of excitement. There's this little chink of light coming through the clouds and I'm thinking, I think everything's gonna be okay. And I didn't know what the job was granted and I was aware that yes as yet he hadn't mentioned whether or not the job would be paid but I was hopeful as a poet you do a lot of gigs for free and you do this free work this pro bono stuff in the hope that there will be someone in the audience who might like what you do who might approach you afterwards with the offer of some paid work and so whenever anyone offers you a job right you've just got to try and think about the bigger picture i didn't know what this job was but maybe it would have an audience maybe that would lead to some repeat business over these 20 seconds of silence well i'm thinking all this through there are so many odd expressions that I'm assuming must be kind of floating over my face from this kind of initial surprise and then this swell of pride and then suddenly this wave of confusion and embarrassment uh the guy looking at my face immediately he realizes the terrible mistake that he's made and so in order to avoid creating a scene in an act of sheer genius uh here's what he does he just subtly changes the topic of conversation he says hang on what football team do you support and i say uh i don't really i don't really have a home team uh i've kind of moved around too much as a kid i don't really have a place i you know consider to, to, uh, like, as a home, so I don't really have a home team. And the guy looks at me uh, with real pity in his eyes and he shakes his head and he says, oh, 
Forget it then. And uh, as he walked away from me, uh, that was the moment in my life that I realised that I'd hit rock bottom because I, I, yeah, that was without doubt the worst job that I have ever been offered. And I didn't even get the job. Uh, hey now, you better listen to me, every one of you. We've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do. Forget about your women and that water can. Today you're working for the man. You've been listening to Imaginary Advice. Uh, my name is Ross Sutherland. Thanks for listening. I'm gonna see you make it on time. Oh, don't relax, I want elbows and backs. I wanna see everybody from behind. Cause you're working for the man. You're working for the man. You gotta make it.